You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Is that a caramel macchiato? It is. That Brian caramel. just got me hooked on it, but I've got to stir it up because they really put a lot at the, at the bottom. Yeah, that's why I got asked for a straw. Is Were you married like as a baby? I was a child. I was a child bride. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about what I was like how big of an idiot I was at 21 <laughs> and that I should never have been allowed to get married but I did fine. you got married at 21 mm-hmm. looking back and I think about just what a really bad idea like you just don't know anything about yourself and you think you're smart and you're not so it really worked out for you it did work out that's what I think all the time all of my prayers are like dear god how did this work out yeah that's no truly feel. Because, I mean, he wasn't older, and we, when we were... He wasn't older and wiser. <laughs> I didn't marry an older man. <laughs> didn't go that route. He's, he's never been as dumb as me, but... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, no, I just think, like, he was in undergrad when we got married. He wasn't even finished with college, and law school wasn't really on our radar. He was just going to be a music producer. Thank goodness that didn't work out. He's going to go take the music world by storm. <laughs> Beth, what do you think of this shirt? B. Bruce. <laughs> Jaden would love it because she loves to go thrifting and she loves shirts it's, like oh, that. It's thrift store. <laughs> I loves. bought this new. Oh, that's, I feel like you could have found that at the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in a way deeper discount than I got it. I hope you didn't spend more than $20 on that. No, it was 10 <laughs> Oh, that's she not bad. Was, you, you might spend 10 at a thrift store. I wore this to Easter dinner. She wore that to Easter dinner, and Brian was like, hello, if I could take one moment at this large table while everyone's here and just point out this is his least favorite shirt. Hope should never wear this shirt again. <laughs> he doesn't comment on any of the clothes that I wear ever. Like, he's so easy going. Like, but I brought this shirt home, and he was like, what? Why, though? Like, what is he? <laughs> he just goes, it looks very comfy. What drew you and cozy. to this shirt? Winnie, actually, I was leaving the house, and she goes, are you going to church? <laughs> yeah. She goes, um, the people there might think you're lazy. <laughs> she goes, that looks like pajamas. Out of the mouth of yeah. babes. Yeah. Oh my That's <laughs> Every time I order this, they don't have it. What is it? Peach green tea. Ever. I oh, told them to sweeten wonderful. it. Thank you. So much. It's you're lovely. welcome. She's our new favorite guest, she's her the, and Josh, that brings us coffee. She's the third person who's brought us drinks. Or was it Josh? No, who, Josh brought us so because she's he... she's the second. Yeah. She's the second person who's brought us drinks. Josh heard us comment on Rob Schwartz's podcast about the Cafe Americano at Generations. And then you brought me Starbucks. Peach green tea. I'm glad it's we you just, tonight. I have so many holes in my pants. I was thinking, How'd that not change my pants? <laughs> no, absolutely It's Hope. Not. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my she gosh. came in her, what do we call this, lumberjack? I don't know. Warm, fuzzy. It's like army fatigue <laughs> slash. It's 81 degrees out. Well, my house is an icebox. Oh, okay. So I'm always cold. Why is it an icebox then? 
Because I don't want to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, You know babe. you can adjust the thermostat. <laughs> we keep it on at 68. Do you? And then Gosh. I turn it down at night to like 65. I like a balmy, <laughs> balmy 72. In the summer? Huh? No, in the wintertime. <laughs> this is a nice room, by the way. I've never been in this room before. Oh, oh Welcome. Jonathan came in and was like, what is this trash? Oh, he promised us new tables and chairs. It's a different setup than I thought it was going to be. What did you think it was in your head? Uh, I don't know. Just not this. I thought it was (laughs) (laughs) something different. What do cool podcast studios look like? Let's do it. Anyways, I think your volume's good. Am I okay to to recline? Don't. don't. (laughs) Yeah, what, ripping holes in your pants? I told you, all my pants have so many. But that's an intentional hole. No, that's no, supposed that's to be. Not, that's <laughs> cool. These came with my holes. But okay. Ones... I'm not ready to answer the questions yet. <laughs> Ask me some other questions first. Let's warm her up. Do we have any sex therapists we can have on the show? We should. Sounds great. Java with Julie. That's a good podcast. Okay. Java with Julie. She's a... She's a Sex therapist. Okay. And she talks about relationships and sex and stuff all the time. It's good. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, we need to have She's a good reference. Java with Julie, J-U-L-I. Chris was talking about how the more people we have on the podcast, the less people we have left for the podcast. <laughs> and that just I was actually that thinking about that. kind <laughs> of moves us into Topicals. the necessity of topics and content created podcasts. So oh, maybe we have to do we'll more work. Hope you're the first one. I'll listen. <laughs> or we can shove Mel back on. She said she would finish in June. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what she's talking about? Sounds like Revelation, but it's not. It's talking about the four horsemen of the the apocalypse are the four things that, like, do a relationship in. They, like, end a relationship. Oh, okay. They also end the world in Revelation. (laughs) 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 It's, like, not to be confused confused with. You waking up? Drink that tea. Has it got caffeine in it? Oh, I'm sure it does. You can have some of my macchiato. No. She doesn't like to drink after people. You need a pair of black heels that you can pull out for any. I don't have black heels. I need to. And I forgot. I forgot. Uh, I didn't have any pantyhose either. So people I will still wear I'm those. Like, yes, when you have legs that look that. Stop. Your skin is like beautiful and dark, and we have like ghost like. That's like I don't understand why you would ever <laughs> need <laughs> anything like that. I didn't know you they see wore them. How, like look at. I, you can you don't have to show me. I'm see-through. I'm, no, I'm paler than you. It's There's true. no way. No, you can see, like, the roots of all of my hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, We're here so. with the ghost sisters tonight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I really didn't know people wore nylons, pantyhose. Yes. This is real life, folks. The nightmares. Well, thanks for dressing up so fancy tonight for oh us. Gosh. I'm impressed. Oh, this old Pantyhose and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Pantyhose and your camo shirt. <laughs> Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Jay Elizabeth. It's Kay Lauren. And we are here with Hope Elizabeth Perkins Coulter. We'll say that <laughs> quietly in case someone's searching for Don't you. look for me. You're both Elizabeths. This, we are. It's a popular name. It's most of my friends. It's a have popular the same middle, name. middle name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> 
My mom's Virginia Beth. My grandma's Mary Elizabeth. It's on both sides of my family, too. But this is a treat for Kate because... <laughs> is it? Brought a Starbucks, and Hope is Kate's little sister. Oh. By Aww. seven years. Sometimes our speaking voices sound strikingly similar. It's true. So you might get very confused Which during is this funny podcast. Because <laughs> this could be incredibly confusing for some people, because I have had like Jeremy. people say that Beth and I sound the same. So with you here so tonight. It's just one big whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> when I had Speak when I your name when first. I started dating Chris, I was 15. Hope seven years younger than me so that would have made her eight but back in the day we used to have phones that were on the wall we didn't have cell phones do you remember all this so chris would call me hope would answer the phone (laughs) and act like it was me and she would have full-on conversations with chris hey baby (laughs) at eight years old you sounded like her yeah we've always sounded the same people are very confused by the sound of us our inflections are the same, too. Our what? Inflections. Like oh. the way. <laughs> you said our reflections. <laughs> <laughs> Their white legs match as well. <laughs> our legs are shadows. <laughs> if you just saw legs and heard our voices, you'd have no, no clue you which never know. Which. Hope was born in Youngstown, Ohio. I'm assuming at Saney's. She was raised in Columbiana her whole life. She was homeschooled through high school and graduated from Heartland Christian School. She waitressed at Pizza Hut. It was a family tradition. How many years were you there? Five, six. Ellen told us how you threw ranch dressing at her. (laughs) I didn't throw it at her. Towards her? I would never do that. Would you like to comment? I... You just threw it? <laughs> Would you like to respond? I know. It was a bad day. Oh, I had poured all these tiny cups of ranch because that was like part of our job that we had to do before we left. This one coworker was really pushing my buttons. I'd like to say I'm a stronger person now, but <laughs> <laughs> but I picked up the whole stack and I just threw it against the wall and like it just, they all exploded everywhere. And then I went outside and cried behind the dumpster for like a half an hour. <laughs> And then did you have to come in and clean it up? I don't remember. After Pizza Hut, she became a waitress to the stars (laughs) in Nashville at Brick Tops. Who'd you wait on? It was like country music people. Oh. Once I waited on Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen? Mary Steenburgen. She's an actress. She's married to Ted Danson. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's like an elf. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah. You waited on her. I waited on her. But who else? There was... If you're familiar with country music, it was like Rascal Flatts or Dirk Bentley. Taylor Swift was in once when I was... Wait, Nicole Kidman's husband. Keith Urban. Yes. And I was a huge Keith Urban fan at the time. So like I saw him walk in across the restaurant and I literally screamed. Like I <laughs> like I, I have zero chill. And I like just... <laughs> of course, they did not let me wait on him. Because <laughs> but I did walk past his table 50 times with a pitcher of iced tea <laughs> trying to fill up his cup. Yeah. Lots of people like that. It was fun. It was a really fun job. She's also been a barista, front of the house manager... We're at same place. Same place. And a pastry cook at what's it's this called place? Pistachia Vera. Sounds Nobody fancy. can pronounce it. Pastry chef at Pistachia <laughs> Vera. <laughs> Whatever. In Columbus, Ohio. 
She married Brian. They've been married for 12 years. Brian was on the podcast on March 28th. So he's got a very fun podcast. So if you missed him, check him out. <laughs> I like how we describe it as fun. <laughs> uh, what was it? A salty? He has a very, what would you say? I just feel like we had a really good discussion. There were a lot of opinions shared. We had a very opinionated podcast with Brian. Check it out. They have three kids. Gwyneth is five. Emmett is two. Emmett was a COVID baby. And when you guys came back to church, he was a man. We're like, who is this child that we didn't know before COVID? And Leo is nine months. She loves cooking and baking, thrifting. She has a shirt on that looks like she's thrifted today, but she actually spent money at the store on it. You'd never believe it. Deep discounts. <laughs> she loves entertaining and hostessing and wandering aimlessly at TJ Maxx. Is that with or without the kids? Without. Okay. She was born and raised in the upper room. Her father, Dave Perkins, was an elder and her mom, Jenny, was on the worship team. They were a part of the upper room since the beginning. The beginning. So she was here from zero to 21. She actually had a, a junior high romance with her Aww. future husband at Jam. And they've been what are back. Your memories of that? I really liked him, but... I was really scared of him. <laughs> just, you know, we just, I would look at him and <laughs> that was about it. I gave him a robot hug once. It was the first hug I ever gave him. But I was so in my head about it that like, I just made fists and like pumped his, like punched his back on the <laughs> That was the only like physical touch that we had that entire bro I, hug. It was like a bro hug. Yeah. Yes. I just like, boom, boom. <laughs> I just, <laughs> He was so confused. It worked. Hope and Brian <laughs> spent some time in Tennessee and then Columbus before they moved. You didn't, did you have kids there? We had Gwyneth what? in Columbus, yeah. So they moved back home with one child. Now they have three and she's going for seven. Seven what? Kids. So, all oh, that Catholic blood. So glad you're here, Hope. Thanks for having me. So tell us, Hope. Oh, no. <laughs> tell us, Hope, who or what turned your light on? So I'll have to use Brian's analogy of like a fader switch. I feel like it's always kind of been there. I was raised in the church. My dad was a pastor. So I feel like at home we got a lot. You know, like my mom was really disciplined about her own walk with Jesus, but also like making sure that we were always at church. She always did devotions with us, all of that stuff. So that was a good like foundation, but I feel like being in the church, but then having to answer your own questions. I remember being at the Canfield Fair once. I think I was probably like 12 and I was with my mom and it was all these basic things that I feel like I should have known by then. But there was like this man who had like a box with a, like a curtain over it. <laughs> And I remember oh my. like, yeah. And I was like, what's that over there? And she was like, don't go over there. <laughs> you know, was, yeah, like a tiny man would be, you know, like a, like a puppet's back there. <laughs> well, you never know what's behind there. And the you man was know. like, come over here. So I like looked in there and it was a question. And then if the question was, you know, if you died and went to heaven or what would be your answer of why you should get into heaven? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person and I do all the right things and blah, 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 at like 12. And mom was like, oh my gosh, no, no. You know, oh. she's freaking out. And the guy's just shaking his head. And she was like, <laughs> she was 
just like, no, it is by Jesus' blood alone. By grace, you have been saved and all this. And I was like, oh, I never knew that. And I've been in the church my entire life. And I was like, what in the world? Why have I even never been told this before? I feel like that's like eye-opening. You know what I mean? You can like be in the church and like maybe it's just the Holy Spirit setting up appointments for you to have those realizations. But it was like, I hadn't even thought about it. And I feel like even in my 20s, I feel like when Brian and I were going to church in Columbus, we had finally found a church there. I feel like that was also another place where I did a lot of growing. We were seeking together as a couple trying to kind of figure out our faith as adults and not just what we had been raised in. And I feel like the people there were really influential too, but it was the same thing. Like I having these realizations of things that should have been really basic and them seeming, it was something I had never heard before. And I even remember coming to Kate once and being like, why did no one ever tell me this? Like my whole life. So I feel like it's kind of having those realizations at different moments all through my life. And I feel like I still have them now. I feel like a lot of my childhood faith was, I was a really anxious child in general. I still am an anxious adult, <laughs> but I feel like so much of my childhood faith was just like rooted in fear. It was just like the alternative sounded terrible. So I'm going to do everything that I feel like I'm supposed to do or everything that I should do because hell sounds awful. So I feel like a lot of that was the way that I viewed God as a kid was not accurate. And even things like I remember someone, like it was a Sunday school teacher or something telling us, you know, we have to memorize scripture because probably when you get older that we won't have the Bible anymore. And like, I genuinely thought that until I was in my twenties. And I thought that's, well, this is why we memorize scripture, I guess. So if something happens, we could all piece it together together. Oh I don't know. <laughs> Being raised by doomsday preppers. Yeah, I mean, that's one like, mom point. And dad, but like, no, but like, teachers. it's just like kind of that underlying vibe a little bit. But then I, you know, learn as older, like, no, that's actually not why we memorize scripture. <laughs> but it was stuff like that where I feel like you kind of have to do like a little bit of unlearning and then relearning. And maybe mm -hmm. that's just kind of what happens. You know, I feel like there's things that I want to teach my kids, maybe starting at a different level or like from a different place. Like the other day when he was like... God's so happy, right? Right? He's so happy. And I was like, like my knee jerk is to be like, oh, who's to say? We don't know. <laughs> you know but, like, <laughs> but like, stopped. I was like, yeah, I really think he is. Because I do think he is, but like think it's taken me a long time to try to get the right view of God. And I don't even know that I have it yet or that I've totally wrapped my arms around it. But trying to get there. I feel like Kate's been super influential also. Many, many nights, I feel like, especially when we had joined our church in Columbus and we were learning a lot there, I feel like we would come home on the certain weekends and I would go to her house and we would sit on her back porch until all hours of the night. And I'm so sorry that I did that because you no. had small children at that time and I would murder someone. You were so helpful in like helping me sort out a lot of questions and just thoughts that I had that all seemed so new. I feel like my faith had kind of gotten like a rebirth during that time. I think those were awesome. I feel like everyone should have people like that, that where you can ask all the questions. I've loved listening to the conversations between like Chandra and Abby, where you have these two people who are pressing and pushing each other onto deeper faith. I really liked how you just said, you know, the idea of growing faith is kind of learning and unlearning. I mean, because I really feel like that, isn't that the process really your whole life of like... <laughs> 
learning something, but not always learning it perfectly and having to unlearn some of the stuff that like you misunderstood or yeah. didn't understand correctly. Right. Exactly. And kind of like unlearning that. And I'm sure a lot of it was actually, as a kid, was probably presented in a good way. And like maybe the way that I took it in was just like the glasses through which you see things or hear things. So, right. Yeah, I feel like my childhood view of God was very Old Testament. Those early 20s, just learning about like the love of Jesus felt like completely new. So how's your life changed since you viewing God differently or viewing him from the New Testament? I feel like, I don't know, just like a, a newness of relationship. It wasn't that I wasn't saved before, or I don't think that, but I just think that there's just like a new depth or like intimacy that maybe probably wasn't there before because who wants to be intimate with somebody who's grouchy and judgy and, you know, all the things that like I kind of felt he was. Like I say, that was probably the way that I interpreted it, not necessarily the way that someone, not necessarily the way that my parents made him appear, but I think I was just scared. I loved in Brian's podcast, he talked about you. And I was like, I love this so much because I think it speaks volumes for what we do inside of relationships and what we do inside of marriages. But he was just saying that he always feels as if he's had religion or if he's had faith, but like you introduced this very personal side of God to him beforehand, it was always this intellectual, like a cerebral. Yes, it was a very cerebral faith. It was an intellectual faith and God was real, but there was this distance thing, but that you introduced a new side of a personal aspect to it. And I was like, that's so good. Even from the growth in your walk becomes the growth in his walk too, because he's paying attention to like what you're learning and what you're thinking about. So what lights you up besides aimlessly walking around? Oh my gosh, that's like number one right now, to be honest, (laughs) if I'm being really real. Alone time. No, uh, my family, my kids, getting to spend time with Brian, friends, just I think people in general really like to, or I feel like at one point point in my life, I really enjoyed entertaining and all of that. But like that's all kind of been put on the back burner with small kids. Cooking, all of the things you said, cooking. I like cooking for people and baking for people. I think I'm a people person in general. Like being a stay-at-home mom has kind of turned me into a little bit of a recluse. But I love at the last women's conference, the one before last, she and Megan did workshop on workshop hospitality. On. Oh, hospitality, yeah. So you got to share on some of those things that you love or light you up. I thought that was fascinating. Oh, that's kind of you. I was so pregnant with Emmett whenever I did that. So (laughs) he was born like a week later. Is it everything you thought it would be? Because you you grew up wanting one million children to be. One million children. Was it one million or one thousand? I thought you used to say she wanted one million children. No, I wanted to have a lot of kids, and now I have three kids, and I think that's probably enough. (laughs) He does feel like a lot sometimes. (laughs) He does. It's good. I feel like you're the best mom in the world until you become a mom. And then it's like, oh, I think it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I'm so grateful to be one and I'm so grateful to stay home with them like that. That is something I I really, really love. But I wasn't anticipating, I think, like the loneliness that comes to be home with your kids all the time. That was something I wasn't expecting. 
Do you think that has changed? Like, do you have a lot of friends that are home alone too, being lonely? Not a, no, I don't think a lot. Most I feel like most of my or? so I think maybe or growing up, I thought that it would just be how it was. Like when my mom had kids, like where all of her friends were all home and we all spend time together, and you're always out. Everyone's always over at each other's houses, and but it's just not that way anymore. And I'm like, I applaud all of my friends who are working because I think that's great and they're doing awesome things and they're still really good moms. I think it's just what I had anticipated. It just turned out to be a little different. And that's hard for me because I am a people person and I miss that type of community. And like I've always worked in food service where you're just around people all day long and you're talking all day long and you're, you know, learning things about people or sharing this, that, and the other. But then you go to like being home with a baby who doesn't talk at all or then a toddler who just talks nonsense all day long, <laughs> or like a, a like an older toddler who's just kind of mean, you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more. It's more mentally taxing, and I feel like you can, if you're not careful, you can kind of get lost. I would be totally lost without Brian because he keeps me sane. But at the end of the day, like, who am I? Who am I? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's why I feel like it's important to have friends who, if you can't be with them face-to-face, you can at least be texting and staying in touch with people that way because I'll go crazy if I don't. It is easy to lose yourself. I remember when I was getting my master's, it was a residency program, so we went away and we were in a car with a group of people and they were like, what kind of music do you like? I didn't even know what to say. Yeah. Like, I, I listen to what my kids listen to, right. like Barney or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, I don't even know what I like. Mm-hmm. What I like, because it's never, I never get to no listen one cares. to yes. the music that I like. We listen to Don't Talk About Bruno yeah. a thousand times a day. <laughs> I, yeah. So it is easy to feel like that. Yeah. What are your tips for sanity? Oh my gosh. I don't know that I, I'm the wrong person to ask because I feel like I'm going insane most of the time. I feel like, I feel like moms deal with like a lot of guilt for maybe taking time to themselves or just away from their kids. But I feel like it's a super healthy thing to do to be able to like get away, to go, you know, (laughs) Saturday rolls around and I'll be like, Sorry, Brian, I have to go to TJ Maxx. (laughs) I need like two hours to myself. Yeah, and that's okay. Even if it's just to like go stare at some pretty things and sip Mm -hmm. a coffee in quiet, I feel like that's sometimes a good reset, at least for me. I know that's not everybody's bag, but I feel like to take that time to yourself is really important. And also, Brian is so helpful to me. He's very encouraging and... I feel like I struggle sometimes because his job gets a lot of recognition or people are interested in it. it he, he does a lot of interesting things, you know what I mean? And I have a lot of friends who have interesting jobs, but I feel like as soon as you say you're a stay-at-home mom, people are just like, hmm. You know, like, there's no usually no follow-up questions to that. And it's like, okay, because it's really, I mean, I wipe bums all day, so like, it's not an interesting job. And I understand that. But, I mean, that can kind of leave you feeling like, ugh, is anything that I do worthwhile? And I mean, and I know that it is, but it's just in the eyes of the world. Sometimes it's easy for me to feel like, you know, what I'm doing is so boring or I need to reframe that mindset. 
I don't know. You can strike all that, too, because that was sounded more negative than I meant it to. But I saw this cartoon, you know, because it was Mother's Day not that long ago. And it said, we hired some people to take your place so you could have the morning off, mom. And there was 12 people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A cook, a cleaner, an organizer, a financer, an accountant. Because we do. Moms do do a lot. You just need to come up with a really fancy name to shut people up when they say do. <laughs> Eat bonbons all day. <laughs> I'm a, a domestic engineer. Oh, that sounds fancy. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'd be like, well, what's that? I stayed home with my kids. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, you tell people you're a pastry chef and it's like, oh, tell me more. You know what I mean? Like it's you're that and all. Isn't that funny how we're just trained to say when you meet people like, oh, what do you do? Like that has anything to do with like who they are as a person or what actually matters. We need some Mm -hmm. different introduction conversations. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that very much. It should be the church who's changing that discussion. Okay. What are we going to, when we meet people, what are we going to say? Do you know where you're going if you die tonight? (laughs) (laughs) No, we should change the conversation. I loved Chris's sermon about honor. That talk was so profound to me. If we really honored people and looked at them the way that the heart of God sees people, what did he say? You know, Susie here walks in with her two kids and we're like, oh my gosh, there's Susie. She's a stay-at-home mom of two. Oh my gosh, can you believe she's here? That's the heart of God that sees people as big and sees what they do as big. It's honoring to people because there's such value inside of people. I feel like I didn't hear that one and now I have to go back and try to like (laughs) listen to it because it sounds really good. This literally has been your dream. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have a thousand kids, but it's been your dream. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's been your dream. And then one person asking you, Oh, what do you do? And when you say, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and then the conversation ends, like how you let the world tell you that your dream isn't valuable. Right. We need to change the narrative on that. Yeah. It's a hard job, and I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, whenever you're, you know, outside looking in, looks, I think, a lot easier. So I I had a lot of preconceived notions going into it, thinking that I was going to be, I don't know, better at it or more equipped or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do any of this. None of this makes sense. And I don't know. I feel like my mom always made it look so effortless. And she was like endlessly patient with us. Maybe we weren't that bad. I don't know. Or maybe she was just really patient. I don't know. Yeah. It is weird. Like I remember the nurse came in and when we had Jacob showed us like, okay, here's how you give him a bath. And then they were like, okay, you guys can leave in 20 minutes. Yeah, (laughs) the room needs cleared out. I was like, "What? What? (laughs) We're taking this this human home? What do we do?" Yeah, you you brought up a really good point that people don't talk enough about, and that's loneliness. Being a stay at home mom can be so lonely. But I think we're living in a society where people are really lonely, even though there's people all around, and we've substituted relationships with cell phones. That feeling, you know, there's there's a hole in us that needs filled with other people. I was listening to Paul Miller today. I love Paul Miller. He started the See Jesus organization. He's an author. He wrote The J-Curve, The Praying Life, The Loving Life. But anyways, he also has a podcast. But he was talking about he and his wife have six kids. 
one of them are special needs. At one point in their marriage, he said, my wife had lost almost all of her friends and we were in a good and thriving church. But the problem was, is that our church was really, really good at outside missions, Mm. sending people out or going to minister, but we're at this loss of ministering to each other as a family in the body. We were, were so programmed, like, go out. But he was like, my wife was friendless, and we were at this church. So I, I do think that it, it's good to talk about. Community is really hard, I feel like, at this stage of life, just because, I don't know, like, Brian's hours are really wonky. He has a lot of meetings, and he works late some nights, and this is, like, hard. There's not a lot of, like, regularity, I guess, and, like, my kids are still napping all the time. So, like, 50% of my day, I'm kind of like a prisoner to nap time. So I feel like it's hard to do community well where you can, you know, have people in or go out other places. I don't know. I feel like that's really important. I feel like our church in Columbus, it had just become part of our part of our life that we just scheduled in, that it wasn't something that we had to put on the calendar. It was just, like, a something that we always counted on. You know, it was once a week sometimes more, which I feel like was really healthy and helpful because it's not just people that you're there to hang out with, but you're with them every week. They're knowing everything that's going on in your life and not just knowing it, they're praying for you face-to-face, and that was really helpful. I feel like the more people that I talk to now, and more moms especially too, like they crave that but like don't know how to get to it, I guess. You know what I mean? It's hard normalizing messy houses and like feel like the the age that we live in is not good at like the the drop over you know (laughs) like people don't just like stop by anyone's house anymore like which is I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but I feel like growing up we did a lot of that that's kind of unheard of so anything that is is you know very planned and regimented or I, I saw this comedian talking about somebody ringing their doorbell. <laughs> Everybody in the house <laughs> drops. Yes. They're crawling on the floor, you know, yeah. like, hide, hide. <laughs> yes. doorbell. I mean, if someone did that at my house, I would probably be wearing this shirt. And <laughs> probably look very unkempt, but I'm all about the drop over. You think people cared more back then? Maybe they were better housekeepers. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, I don't know what the difference was. It did just seem more normal. I don't know. You can scratch like 75% of all the things I've said. I feel like no, I feel like it's come across so negative. It's not. I feel like I need to say I love my children and I'm very happy with my life. I am. But no, but you know what I mean? I just feel like I don't want to seem like a Debbie Downer about motherhood because it is I'm super grateful for my kids and I love them very, very much. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's dangerous when we try to paint a picture that it's all rosy and it's not hard. I feel like I do have to like take a step back sometimes and like remember to delight in them a little more. Because I feel like sometimes you can just get so constant with like all of the needs and all of breaking up fights and doing all of the, you know, have to step back and stare at their tiny little chubby hands. So in this season of your life... With your three little kids, you've got 997 more to go. (laughs) (laughs) How are you letting your light shine right now? I don't know. I feel like it's, I don't know. It's a hard question. I feel it's like a little bit under a bushel right now, but. (laughs) 
Okay, Seely. <laughs> no, I mean, hopefully to my kids, I hope that I can be somewhat of an example to them or the way that my mom was, I feel like, to me, to us. And I guess probably just I don't feel like I have a very big sphere of influence <laughs> or a lot of people, you know, that I am around every day. But uh, my kids and hopefully some of my friends, I feel like it's just want the people that are around me all the time to know that. I'm thinking of them and that I care about them. And I have a couple of friends that I text every day and we are constantly checking in and seeing what we're up to, even if it's just simple stuff. But I feel like, I don't know, I, I got rid of all my social media a couple of years ago because I felt like it was a lot of things. But I feel like I had been doing a bad job at being a friend, like an intentional friend. I had started tracking my time on like Instagram where you can see how much time you spend every day on. And it was ridiculous. By the time you're checking in every five minutes or you know what I mean? Like even if it's five minutes at a time, multiple times throughout the day, I was spending nearly two hours a day on Instagram, which is insane. (laughs) So I just like wanted to use that time to instead of aimlessly scroll people I didn't really care about to try to maybe text someone that I hadn't been in touch with in a little while or someone that I have been in touch with and just see how their day was going to let them know that like I was thinking of them right then. Trying to do that, I guess. How has that changed? Changing your two those two hours a day, doing it differently. How has your life changed? I don't know that I've noticed a ton of difference. I feel like for a while I like went a little crazy with it and I would like leave my phone in the bedroom trying to just keep it out of my head. Because I felt like I was distracted as a mom too. Like we'd be sitting on the floor playing with the kids, but like I would just be kind of staring at my phone instead of engaging in, I don't feel like I'm that hardcore anymore. It's around, but I'm not glued to it the way that I was before. And I feel like I've been trying to, I mean, cause I, you know, we've lived in, we lived in Columbus for like eight years. So we made a lot of strong friendships there. It's one thing to like one of their pictures, you know, my friends from afar, but it's a different thing to like, how are your kids? What are they doing? What are you guys up to? Are you going on vacation? Are you doing, you know, like actually trying to be a little more interested in their life than just a picture. I don't know. I feel like sometimes just letting someone know that you're thinking about them. I was just going to attest to that. I think it's really good. Hope will text me and remember things that I had told her about whether it was like something we were going to do, something that's coming up for the girls. And she'll text me and ask me how it went. And consistently after you text, I'm just like, how does she even know that that was happening? And in my brain, this is how all over the place I am. I completely forgot that like we even we even had a discussion <laughs> about it. But that's how good she is to like catch up. And that's really, that's been an example to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, to track what is intimately happening with people. She does it really, really well. She follows what's happening in people's lives. She's like very intent about asking how you are, you know, what happened after that, how the doctor's appointment go. And she really wants to know. I feel like that is, that's a great example of how we're supposed to live intently and compassionately with people. Like we know what's happening with them and want to know how they're doing and what they're thinking about. And hope does. Wow, that's very generous. And the social media thing is is so smart. We waste a ton of time. I waste a ton of time. We waste a ton of time on social media. There are so many great things about it too. I know, I, I, we I'm not dogging on anybody, but I know. Yeah. 
I think that's a great idea to be really intentional. I don't think we were meant for such a wide net of consciousness, net of awareness. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be small group people. Yeah. That's kind of where my world is right now, but I think that I'm okay with that. So uh, tell me about a... I actually was thinking about this on the drive over because I don't know that I've experienced anything like crazy supernatural. I feel like it's the same kind of the same thing as what Brian said, that like there's been so many things that have seemed really bad in the moment that have turned out to be really great in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. There have been a lot of providential moments. Yes. So many. And it's hard to even honestly track them because there's been so many. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I could. But this was kind of a random thing that happened. So Brian had kind of talked a little bit about him getting the job offers that he did whenever we were moving back. We had been wanting to move home for years and the house was kind of in the way, but also the market's just so different. He would constantly watch job postings just to see what was around. And there was just never anything or anything that kind of fit what he, his expertise or whatever. But I remember, Kate, one time you were talking to me about just like the importance of forgiveness and like asking for forgiveness from other people. And that was something that like you had done. You had written a letter to somebody. And so there was someone that I had had an issue in the past with and they kind of moved away and I hadn't really thought much about it. But I thought, you know what, that's lingering. And when I think of this person, I don't necessarily have good feelings (laughs) So, like, I'm going to write her a letter and just say, like, hey, I, I want to resolve this. And, I, you know, I don't want to have this standing um, hanging around anymore. And so I did. I just wrote her a Facebook message. And she ended up writing back, you know, saying, I'm sorry, too, and I forgive you. And so I had wrote the letter. And then the next day, and this had been years, and we had prayed. Like, we would pray every night together that we would that we could find a job and move home. But the day after I sent that letter is when he saw the first job posting for us to move home. After that, it kind of turned into a domino effect where he ended up getting four job offers in a matter of a month. And so I don't know if it was just a coincidence, but it just seems kind of funny that Literally the next day <laughs> after that it happened. I don't know. I don't know oh, no. <laughs> I believe very much in the power of repentance and forgiveness. There are reasons God asks us to fix our stuff. That's something we talk about. I mean, scripturally, every time you take communion, go fix your stuff before you take communion. God is always about unity And I think that it's more than what we understand it to simply be like, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? I shouldn't have done it that way. Or I'm holding this against you. I think there are deeper repercussions in the spirit than I think we understand sometimes. And I think that we get held up and stopped up because of unforgiveness and bitterness and grudges. We need to make things right. Also, God honors and blesses us when we do what he asks us to do. And he honors and blesses us when we're obedient. And so if he asks us to make things right between each other and we do it, that comes with his goodness. I don't doubt that for a second. I feel like there are dozens of those like providential moments. But it's like my job in Nashville like set me. It's just like so many things. I got a job in Nashville from a random friend. When I got a job at Bricktops, it was because of one random girl that at Brian's college knew that I was looking for a job. So she sent me there. My boss was from Columbus at the restaurant. And she she knew she used to be a pastry chef. And she goes, oh my gosh. She found out we were moving to Columbus. She said, oh, 
when you go, you have to check out this bakery called Pistachio Vera. It's amazing. It's so good. So look, I never would have heard of Pistachio Vera had I not had the boss in Nashville who to told me to go there. Had it was just, it was just so many things where like I could never have. And same with Brian's job, like his job completely evaporating and <laughs> like him getting a new job five minutes down the road. Well, we sang that song this past Sunday about even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even though we're like, are you there, God? What's going on? But behind the scenes, he's orchestrating our lives for the good. Oh, no. So hope I is- feel like I need to redo so many of those oh things. Oh, my God. No, I feel like the who turned on your light part got real rough and tumble there for a minute. <laughs> Why? What are you going to say now? Who turned your light on, Hope? So dark. When it comes around and you listen to it, it won't sound like Yes, that. it will. No, it won't. No, it the won't. man of the Canfield Fair will sound very weird. <laughs> Only in Hope Coulter's story is there like a weird man with a box and a curtain. (laughs) Do you think you were the only 12-year-old who had no idea what was going on? (laughs) Do you remember being 12 and like having wrapped your head around Christianity? How was that? I think I was 35 and I was like, where has this stuff been my whole life? I feel like I still have those realizations. Yes. Sometimes I feel like I need so, to close with a funny story. you ever Close with a happy story. A happy story? I should talk about how often I have things stuck to my shirt. <laughs> you like, I'm trying to count how many times I've had things stuck to my shirt in public. Chris was just laughing yesterday about the fact that you thought you could outrun Brian. <laughs> Actually, just thinking he still gets a hoot out of that. Brian and I had a race once. Did you know this? I'm a very fast runner. (laughs) Were you on track? No, I'm not actually a fast runner, but I like to think I am. So one day, Brian challenged me to a foot race, and I genuinely thought that I could beat him. <laughs> it was at our house. So we did it on okay, Chris's street, and Chris recorded us. It was unbelievable how fast Brian ran. <laughs> I knew he could run so fast. That's not what I want to talk about. Left you in the dust. I did go to the doctor last week. No, I took Emmett for his well check. A man in the foyer was like, excuse me, miss. <laughs> I'm like, I'm holding both Leo and his carrier in Emmett's hand, and it's like 8 in the morning. And he was like... I think your shirt's on backwards. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, I think the pocket's supposed to be the front. <laughs> There's a pocket on the back of my shirt. But at that point, I can't even do anything. I'm like in the foyer. I don't, don't have time to talk to me. Why are you telling, telling me my this? pocket's in the back? I don't have time to yes. change. So then I'm like, I'm like checking in. <laughs> Clearly, there's like the embroidery where the tag is. <laughs> like, I'm right back on it. <laughs> when I worked at the Lazy Bean, I was delivering a plate. To a man, and I looked and I was like, oh, Your toast is gone. We must have forgot your toast. And he was like, It's on your scarf. <laughs> <laughs> it was on your scarf. And it somehow attached itself to my scarf. So I just had two pieces of stuck on my shirt. Oh, <laughs> and I was talking to someone at a movie theater. It was actually someone who I had, I hadn't dated him, but. It, we had talked and I had this whole conversation outside the movie theater and I had just watched a movie and while I was watching a movie I was eating a sucker and I lost the sucker and I thought well it's gone now you know what I mean like I'm not gonna look for it in here and then I came out I had this whole conversation and then I went into the bathroom and there was the sucker and like broken (laughs) broken pieces of the sucker all over my shirt (laughs) so he's probably like oh I dodged that bullet Columbus, I, girl I didn't know very well. Where were you? In Columbus. I gave her, she went to our church, but like, I just didn't know her super well, but I took her a meal. 
And I went in, I was talking to her, and I like talk with my hands a lot, and I'm waving my arms around, and I look down in my coat, and there's there's a straw attached <laughs> with a piece of chew chewing gum oh. <laughs> on my sleeve, just like waving around willy-nilly. Like, like whoops out this put it in my pocket. <laughs> to be a theme. <laughs> Keeps me humble. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good times. Well, we hope we made you smile and laugh. <laughs> at least at the end. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Hope. Oh it's been gosh. fun. We've laughed a lot. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. Bye.